Check. 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 One. Two. Okay, we're rolling. On July 11th, Gabriel is doing a show at Central Washington University, but you can't go. July 13th, he's doing a show at a sex club in Portland, Oregon. I don't know the name of the venue. I think Gabriel knows but he won't tell me. July 17th to 20, Gabriel is at the Looney Bin in Oklahoma City. Gabriel's wedding anniversary is on July 19th but he'll be in Oklahoma because he's a shitty husband. For more info and for all of Gabriel's show dates go to GabrielRutledge.com. And now it's time to relax your mind and expectations, because episode 27 of Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge starts right now. And now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check, check. Traveling man, love when I can. Yep, starting off with a little Bob Seger. Oh man, I'm so deep into Bob Seger right now. It's almost like the more I look like Bob Seger, the more I love Bob Seger. I got best of Bob Seger on my iPhone. Just loving, loving the, loving the Seegs right now. No one calls them that. I am in the Hilton Garden Inn in Toledo, Ohio. Um, actually, I guess I'm not technically in Toledo. I'm in uh, Perrysburg, which uh, I don't know. It looks like they built it last week. It's, it's the little street I'm on. It's like. They just took the roof off of a mall, basically, is where I am. Uh, but the hotel right across the street from the Funny Bone, which is nice. Uh, and I already, you know, highlighted my week. I uh, Friday, I was enjoying a beer at Bar Louie down the street. I think that's a chain. Um, I think everything on this street is a chain. But uh, And then the guy, the bartender figured out that I was the headliner at the Funny Bone, and then I went back the next night, and uh, he gave me a free drink and said, I went to your YouTube channel, and I watched your entire 50-something minute show, and I'm buying you a drink because you brought me joy. I mean, that's, come on. That's all I want. I just want to bring you joy. People of North America and one-time Pakistan, I'm just trying to bring you joy. I mean, what a fucking compliment. You brought me joy. And then it gave me a shot that was really weird and tasted bad. But that's not the point. I brought a man joy. Which (laughs) sounds like I blew him. I'm not gay. I just like giving men joy. Um, so anyway, that was a, a nicely worded compliment. You brought me joy. Holy shit. That's way better than you were funny. I had a weird... I had a weird airport moment flying out here on uh, July 5th. Where I was in SeaTac. My home airport. I say that like I walk around like, hey, what's up, Stu? <laughs> I know the guy at Starbucks. I know I know all the baggage handlers. That's not true. But I do know all the people who work at the uh, place I park my car. Uh, but anyway, um, they, you know, they have those little uh, play areas for children at airports. They have one at SeaTac. You can climb on a foam plane or whatever. So this little... Like baby toddler, I'm walking by. It toddles out of the play area. I'm gonna say less than two, but walking. I'm gonna say like I'm gonna guess 15, 18 months. And this kid, this baby, is just taken off. But no one's following it. No one's doing anything. And so I kind of. At first, I tried to uh, hold the kid's hand and sort of guide him back into the play area. And uh, he, he was having no part of it, not really a hand holder. And then I was sort of looking around like, 
<clears throat> no one's looking. And then I saw a lady standing in the doorway, and I said, is this your baby? Which is a dumb question. <laughs> like, oh, fuck, there, there, yes. I forgot that was my baby. Uh, and she was like, no, it's not. I'm like, oh. And the kid keeps going. So now we're, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate, but I think we're a good, uh, you know, 10, 15 yards uh, away from the entrance. So the entrance to the play area. So I picked up the kid. I mean, I, you know, I'm a dad. I've picked up a lot of kids. So I just picked up a kid, hoping he wouldn't scream. He didn't. Uh, and then I walked him back to the entrance. Well, I didn't, you know, holding the kid, walking him. And uh, I look around, and I was like, hey, who's, is this anyone's? And this lady sees me. She had some other kids. And she just nodded. Like, yeah. And so I set the kid down, and the kid went over. What? What a weird fucking. Like, okay. First of all, how about, hey. Thanks, stranger, who stopped my baby from running all the way to a different gate of the airport. That would have been nice. Two, she should have at least been afraid. Why Why is this Bob Seeger-looking motherfucker holding my baby? Like, she should have been concerned about that. I would have accepted either of those. I would have accepted fear or gratitude, and I got neither. It's just so fucking weird. Like, oh, I guess my baby got away from me and you found it. Cool. Huh? Very confusing. Uh, and, you know, it's... I guess what I'm trying to tell you guys is I'm a hero. You know? And I deserve to be treated as such. But no, I was not. I wanted to say something about the 4th of July, and it's my podcast, so here we go. Uh, and this is, this is, uh, I guess I'm talking to my liberal friends right now, okay? Which I am, I am a, uh, left of center person, okay? I used to be way left of center, but then I got old, and it sucks me in to the middle. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, listen, this is a complicated country, okay? I guess you could say the 4th of July is a complicated holiday, um, because this country, our history is not all good. I think we all have complicated feelings about our country. And I went to my mother-in-law's house on the 4th of July. So I have complicated feelings about a lot of stuff that day. But I noticed a fair amount of my fellow liberals on social media saying things like, we shouldn't be celebrating anything. There shouldn't even be fireworks because our, our country is so fucked right now. saying it's not fucked okay i'm not i'm not saying uh things are going well but i will say this why now why is now the time we're not supposed to celebrate our country why is it now the time we cancel fireworks because of trump i don't like trump I'm, 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 think he's a scary lunatic like everyone else. Not everyone else, but like two thirds of the country. But Trump's the, Trump's the one? Trump's the reason? We should start thinking of this country as shitty. It wasn't slavery? Or segregation? Or, or the genocide of the American Indian? Or a bunch of other stuff I'd know more about if I paid more attention to history? It's not 4th of July. I'm not like <clears throat> a super patriotic guy, but I thought I just thought it was like, hey, 
It's a time to hang out and eat some hot dogs or whatever uh, and celebrate the country we live in. I didn't ever take it as I agree with all of the policies. You know, it was never like, hey, before um, before we have a couple of beers and eat a hamburger, I just want to make sure we're all in agreement that it was a great idea to invade Iraq after some people from Saudi Arabia hijacked some airplanes. That was a good idea. You don't have to agree with the policies of your government to take part in a holiday. Don't get me wrong. I don't I don't think you should sit around and not and not think we've ever done anything wrong as a country, but there is not one country in the world that has not done terrible shit. Maybe we've done more terrible shit than some cuz we're the best. <clears throat> but I don't know, look at it this way. Uh, white liberal people. Do you think it's shitty when Mexicans celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Because their government is fucking terrible. They're a totally corrupt government. Do you, do you see a Mexican celebrating Cinco de Mayo and think, how could you wave that flag when you know what your country's doing? No! You just go good for them. That's where they're from, or that's where they live, and they have pride in their people and nation. It's just, sometimes you celebrate where you're from. I don't, I'm not like a big soccer fan, but when the women, U.S. women win, win the World Cup, I go, hey, cool, that's where I live. It doesn't have to mean that much. How could we celebrate on this day when so many atrocities... I don't know. You can never celebrate if you're waiting for the time there's no atrocities. You don't get extra credit if you die knowing the truth about everything or knowing the real story or never being happy because there was always suffering somewhere. I'm not saying we shouldn't care. I'm just saying, give us, give it yourself a break. There's children in cages, and we're gonna let off fireworks. Look, that children in cages stuff is horrible. It's, I can barely read the articles because it's so fucking bad, and it's so, not only like a human rights crisis, but also just embarrassing as a country that that shit is happening. But it was also happening to some extent when Obama was president. We didn't know it, but it was. We still uh, gave the kids some little uh, sparklers and had them run around and put on some red, white, and blue tank tops on the kids and no one said, how? There's no, there's no nation that doesn't have blood on their hands. There's no group of people who hasn't been terrible and also good but you know what I'm saying why would any black person ever participate in the 4th of July when you think about it when you think about their history in this country I don't I don't see them protesting I don't see a, a a big group of black people saying "fuck this country," so we're not going to get together with our family uh, and, and <laughs> have some cooked meat because it doesn't meet. It's just like Thanksgiving. Every Thanksgiving, people are sharing the real story of Thanksgiving, and and uh, you know there was some massacre that happened. Look, that's terrible. But can I just get together with my uncles and eat some fucking cherry pie? We're we're not gonna recreate the first Thanksgiving. We don't we don't all get together and be like, okay, now we're gonna do a simulated massacre so we can relive our roots. No, we're just it's Thanksgiving in some ways is the best holiday because there's no you're literally just supposed to give thanks and hang out with your family. I don't I'm agnostic and I celebrate Christmas. I mean just the fun parts. But I don't know, man. It's weird.
Liberal people, I am among you. But we are the least fun people on the fucking planet, man. Well, actually, the truth is... Okay. Shut up and eat a hot dog. Or a tofurkey wiener. I'm not I'm not saying I like the other side, okay? I don't I don't like it when, when when people who have never left this country are constantly saying this is the greatest country on earth. That uh first of all, you don't know that because you never left. And also, what a stupid arrogant thing to say. Sorry, Ollie. Sorry every other country. You can't be us. You hate us for our freedom. That's all bullshit, too. That's all bullshit, too. I just, actually, I just read a, uh, an article that says in quality of life. I don't know what they mean by quality of life. But a lot of factors that they determine to be quality of life. America is number 17 in the world. All right. And I don't, I don't hear a lot of we're number 17 chants, uh, at the Trump rally, but it's just a silly thing to say. It's just an arrogant, stupid thing to say. Uh, Canada is ranked number one for quality of life. And by the way, they don't have a perfect history either. They were terrible to their native people. You know. My point is, if you are a person who believes America is number one and people hate us for our freedom and we've never done anything wrong as a country, I'm not saying it's right, but it does look like you're having more fun. Sometimes ignorance is more fun. I mean, I, if you're allowed to be a proud German, you're allowed to be a proud anything. Let's be, let's be real. If you can still be a proud German after Hitler, you can be a proud American after fucking Trump. All right? Glory, glory, hallelujah. All right. I got to meet Brad Garrett last week. Uh, at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. Where else would I meet him? Um, and that was fun. Couldn't have been nicer. Uh, he was also quite hilarious on stage, uh, almost in a, I would say, a Don Rickles kind of way. Like, said wildly inappropriate things. Like, you know, a lot of crowd work. And he would, you know, he'd talk to people. If they were Asian, he'd do an Asian voice at them. You know, shit you don't really do anymore. But I'll say this. The people loved it. And he killed. And he seems like a very sweet man. Um, I had to follow him, which is weird. Uh, because, uh, you know, he did like 20, 25 minutes and then introduced me. Come to the stage. Uh, yes, you are. You guys didn't know I disappeared on Conan. Either did I, but uh, Brad was nice enough to make that up for me. It was probably my worst set of the week. It wasn't terrible, but uh, the manager said that uh, she actually thought I did really well following him because uh, they don't. The audience doesn't really know he's going to come back. They don't know what's happening, but uh, maybe she's just making me feel nice. But anyway, it was a great week, and. Uh, yeah, I have a. It's weird for me. It's a real. It's weird to be around famous people when you can't talk, because um, I kind of go over the top to not want to annoy them, but uh, I also need to be a normal human who, you know, interacts with fellow humans, whether they're famous or not. But he he was very. Uh, I mean, asked a lot of questions, knew a lot about me, just from the staff. 
I didn't re- realize he was so hands-on, but, you know, oh, I heard you're having great shows this week, and blah, 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 and um, I told him I went to Pakistan, and he thought I was crazy, uh, <laughs> so it was fun. Um, it's fun to get a few laughs backstage uh, from a very famous person. And uh, I already uh, I already got rebooked. When I was there, they're like, "Hey, I think we got to bring you back to headline." And I said, "I sure, great." And then as soon as I got home, they're like, "Hey, we normally don't rebook this fast, but can you do this week at the end of January next year, middling?" <laughs> and I said, "Okay." Because it was a fun week and the money's okay. I don't know how interested you are as a listener in uh, the economics of comedy. I don't know how interested you are uh, in my thoughts on patriotism either, but I already did those, so I guess I'll... I tend to be very open, as I've said, about money because I've been the person who wanted to know about the economics of comedy before. And I know comedians listen to this podcast... Hopefully not for guidance, but uh, I got paid $1,250 to middle Brad Garrett's Comedy Club, um, which, I mean, I headline for that amount sometimes, but more like a Thursday through Saturday thing, like a seven for seven days. $1,250 is not amazing. It's also not terrible, and I also got free, not that good food. So, you know, there's no food. The food cost is nothing, and the flight to Vegas is pretty cheap, and it's just a fun week, and it's seven chances to sell merch. You know, it's worth doing for me. I'm sure headlining would be over two grand, but you gotta... I don't mind middling for people who are famous, but it is hard to middle for people who I don't think are. <laughs> they seem like at the same level I am, you know. Um, but you know, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I'm not, I have not worked Vegas, and so yeah, I'll come back another time in middle. It's not like it's going to cost me money. I'll still make money. Well, I'm not going to draw a hard line in the sand and be like, no, you must bring me back to headline and. You know, and I, I, I was down there, uh, I hung one of the nights at the, everyone kind of meets at the Tropicana, who's working in town, and I met that booker, I sent him an email, he said, send, uh, hey, I'll book you next year to middle <laughs> at the Tropicana, and that one's 1400 bucks. So, look, it's, uh, I like headlining, I think the crowd likes it when I headline, but... If the money's good enough, fuck yeah, I'm middle. You know? Especially, you know, I'm sort of breaking into Vegas right now. And, uh, you know, if I do good enough, eventually uh, I will be headlining these places. Um, not all of them, but, you know, I don't think I would ever headline, like, the Comedy Cellar in Vegas because I'm not a New York comic and I'm not, you know, but that's fine. It's... uh that's, you know, I'll, I'm making 1500 bucks this week for Friday through Sunday to headline this club, The Funny Bone, which sounds better than it is because, uh, expensive travel week. I had to rent a car because you can't really fly to Toledo for less than a million dollars. So I'll, I'll probably spend 600 bucks. In travel, at least five. So I'm really making eight or nine plus merch, which hasn't been amazing. So, you know, I'll probably, let's just call it $1,100 profit. Uh, which, you know, it's fine. It'll get, it's, that's, look, if you <laughs> are a comedian listening right now who is not a headliner, you're like, you're going to profit $1,100 this week? to do comedy holy shit that's what i made last year i get that i get that um i don't take it for granted but i also have to you know there are clubs i used to headline that would pay me 800 bucks 
for, you know, five shows. And I had to say, I'd love to keep coming back, but I can't do it for that amount of money. And most of them said, okay, you can't come back. Um, cause they don't give a shit and I, I'm not blaming them. It's just, okay. I outgrew those clubs. There will, there's other ones I can do. You know, you do have to draw a hard line in the sand and you do have to, I have to treat comedy like it's a business, but the only reason I get to treat comedy like it's a business is because for many, many years I didn't, you know, I, I made economically unsound decisions for years to get me to this point where now I have to make economically sound decisions, if that makes any sense. Meaning, for years, I would it would be like, hey, do you want to middle this club in Albuquerque for $400? And I would say, yeah. And then I would buy a flight for $350 and fly to Albuquerque and sell some CDs and make two or $300 for the week. That's not an economically sound decision, but I did that shit for years because I thought it would pay off, and I guess it did. Hello, this is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, if you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, but if you do have a podcast, um, I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, it's easy. It's free. Uh, they distribute everything for you. They give you sponsorship, which apparently is just talking about Anchor. I guess that's their sponsorship, but I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this. So worth it? Of course it is. Uh, go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another riveting episode of The Rutledges. I mean, that's the, that's, there's so many levels to comedy that like, <laughs> I'm happy to take a $1,500 headlining weekend. Uh, that sounds like an a, insane amount of money to a lot of comedians and they dream of making that much money. And then there's another group of comedians who are like, wouldn't be caught dead headlining for $1,500. That's, that's like a, you know, they're five grand a weekend or, you know, what, it, you know. Celebrities? You know. Norm MacDonald, David Spade, somebody like that's coming into a comedy club. It's at least 15 grand that they're getting paid. And so, uh, you know, the whole club can take a breather when I come in. Give away some free tickets. Pay me fifteen hundred bucks. Everyone, everyone leaves somewhat happy after I give joy to their lives. I guess uh, I just missed the earthquakes because Vegas felt those uh, L.A. area earthquakes, um, which I'm not sad about. I don't, I don't want to feel any earthquakes. I mean, Vegas didn't have any damage, but I know I have a couple of L.A. listeners. Uh, man, earthquakes suck. So stressful and just unsettling. I was, uh, there was an earthquake centered in Olympia. When was that? I'm going to look. Olympia earthquake. I don't think I had kids yet. So a long time ago. Uh, no. Hold on. Wow, this is good podcasting here. Why bother pausing when you can just tapity tap tap? 2001. In 2001, there was a 6.8. Uh, it's called the Nisqually earthquake, which is basically Olympia. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I was working at, uh, Peppers at the time, Peppers Mexican Restaurant. I was at work. Uh, I was coming out of the bathroom, and uh, the shaking started. This woman in the bathroom next to me came running out with her pants around her ankles, like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, looked outside, saw an SUV bouncing. Fucking bouncing. Now, I don't think it was, like, catching air, but, like, bouncing. 
Um, so it was, uh, it was pretty intense, but it's weird because obviously I was freaked out, but I did not outwardly, I went inward. Sort of like when I'm on a roller coaster and we're going down something big and I just close my eyes and scrunch up really small and pretend it's not happening. I guess that's what I was doing with the earthquake because people are like kind of panicking. The power's out. People are trying to call their loved ones. Uh, but cell phones didn't work because, you know, some of the cell poles were down and, uh, they sent us home because, you know, the power's out. And I, I might have said this before, but I went, we lived right next to a grade school because legally we were allowed to. And I just started, you know, my wife was still at work. And as people are like speeding down this fucking road to pick up their kids from grade school, in the middle of the day, I just, for some reason, decided to trim the bush in front of our house. That's not a euphemism. We had a bush. I had some bush trimmers, hedge trimmers. And I'm not a yard work person, but I just had to do something. So I'm just, you know, people are like panicking, driving to pick up their kids from grade school. And I'm just like, snip, snip, snip. Yeah, let's get this bush looking good. I don't know. That's how I reacted for some reason. Uh I don't know, man. I think it's almost, you know, because the, even right now they're like, well, there could be another one. And they keep giving it odds. They're like a 20, 20 to 1 chance there's even a bigger quake coming or a 7 to 1. or I mean, I guess it's good they do that, but that's also more stressful, right? To be thinking about odds. You know, I mean, it's already, I feel like social media already makes it way more stressful to be a human as far as stuff like that. Because it's constant uh, uh, people sharing articles and it's constant things of, you know, a giant earthquake's coming and everyone's going to die. Or uh, there's an active volcano underneath Yellowstone. The entire West Coast is going to be obliterated. That's not a word, but you know what I meant. Uh, global warming is so bad that we're actually, we all died 30 years ago and we're ghosts. Uh, we just don't know it yet. Uh, it's just like constant doomsday scenarios on social media. And it, it, I think it gives anxiety. I know it gives me anxiety. An asteroid's gonna take us out. There's an asteroid that's going to be, they think won't hit Earth in two years, but you never know. What good does that do me to read about? I mean, at least when the dinosaurs died, they got to die surprised. We don't even get that. Our last words are going to be like, oh, I saw an article on this. That's that's not a way to go out. So hopefully the earthquakes are done. Uh, I mean, they're never done. You know what I mean. But hopefully uh, they'll chill out for a little while. Speaking of uh, trimming your bushes, uh, the guy, that I, my yard guy, is this relatable content? <laughs> The guy I pay to mow my lawn did something weird. Uh, a couple years ago, decided to, uh, you know, I'm gone a lot. And when, so I, I got, I started, I found a guy online to mow my lawn, pull some weeds. Uh, not that expensive, but I still hate paying it every time because it's like, you know, how it is when you budget something where you're like, I think we can afford that. And then every time you write the check, you're like, fuck. What am I doing? But, so this guy, his name's Francisco, which, uh, I don't know if you, if you've ever seen the movie Elf, there's a part where he goes, Francisco, that's a fun name to say. And so every time Francisco came over, uh, my daughters would say that. And by my daughters, I mean me. I would say that. Francisco, that's a fun name to say. So anyway, he takes the winner off, cause, you know, there's no need to get him to, there's no need to pay anyone to mow your mud, uh, during January. 
And so I uh, I sent him a text to, you know, resume lawn service. And he's like, great, great. And then, like, he came once, and then he just, he's supposed to come every other week. He just stopped showing up. And so I sent him another text, and I'm like, are you, are you done? Or he's like, no, I just forgot. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's weird. I guess maybe I need to get a new lawn person. Or even worse, mow my own lawn. And then he showed, he showed up again. And then he didn't show up again. And then he sent me a text and he said, I have someone coming over tomorrow. His name is Juan. So make the checkout to him, same price. A little bit of a language barrier, but. Uh, so I'm like, oh, okay. I, my wife and I thought Juan worked for Francisco. Turns out, Francisco fired us and gave us to his other landscaping friend. We have a new guy now. Juan, which is also fun to say, but not as fun as Francisco. Juan is like our new... I've never seen that before. I've never, like, you know, called a plumber and had them be like, yeah, we don't really want to do it, but here's the name of a different plumber. They're going to show up. That's so fucking weird. I mean, I kind of appreciate it because I would have had to make a lot of phone calls if I found a new person. So at least uh, as an exit, Francisco was like, here's a new guy. But very weird. I'm not going to be able to make it anymore. Uh, but I found you a different person. And if they leave, they promised to find another person. So you'll be fine. That's how relationships should end. I think Francisco's on to something. I, I think that's how, like, a personal relationship should end. Like, you know, if my wife leaves me, she should be like, okay, bad news, I'm sick of your shit. Good news, um, I'd like you to meet Cindy. Uh, she's going to be taking over. Uh, and uh, she's agreed to do it for the same price. I mean, I'd be sad, but I'd also be like, I'm sad, Cindy. And then she'd get sick of me and, you know, probably bring Francisco back, which is my ultimate dream. It's like finding a replacement before you leave a job. We should bring that to relationships. We are breaking up, but I took the liberty of logging into your Tinder account and doing some swiping on your behalf. And I got a lot of possibilities lined up for you. There's a lot of interest out there. I did change your bio to down to fuck, so that might have helped. Some of you guys uh, and gals and people are uh, nice enough to give me a little bit of feedback on my podcast. You'll send me a message. My, my pal John is always texting me stuff about podcasts. Uh, Paul in Oklahoma City. By the way, Paul, remind me when I'm there what show you're going to go to because I will get you into the loony bin. Uh, I got a nice email, Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com, by the way, if you want to send me an email from a different Paul, uh, just telling me he enjoyed the episode uh, called uh, Friday Night Champion where I kind of, uh, you know, I did that contest. I was feeling shitty afterwards and he uh, just wanted me to know uh, he appreciated the honesty and the peak behind the curtain of uh, decisions I have to make balancing family and commerce and all that. So thank you. I, um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm just talking right now into a microphone in a hotel room. And when people, uh, give me feedback, it is nice. Even negative feedback is means people are listening, but of course, positive feedback is preferred. Also Todd, Todd Royce on Twitter. Last episode I mentioned, uh, the the CBS test screening audience, uh, where they pay you seventy five bucks, and I was just saying how maybe drunk tourists aren't the best people to uh, get research about your shows. Uh, Todd sent me a picture on Twitter at Gabe Rutledge is my Twitter by the way. Uh, at one top choice is 
Todd's Twitter, by the way. He said, actual picture of me as a drunk tourist test screening a CBS show. And uh, there he is. There's Todd with less hair than he has now. Uh, point at some machine, I think, where you have to hit, like, you know, positive or negative feedback button or whatever. Uh, I also got another uh, thing on Twitter from, oh, no, where is it? Steve. Steve 420 WA. Steve, do you smoke pot? Oh my goodness. Um, Steve sent me a, I guess, a, a Twitter question. Topic idea. Portland Comedy Festival charging submission fees to comics. Is that normal? Um, I look forward to your take on it. As a comedy consumer, it seemed a bit odd that they would advertise that on social media. Yeah, it is a little odd because, yeah, a comedy customer doesn't give a shit about your submission process to a comedy festival. But the short answer is, yeah, it is. it, it used to be if anyone asked for a submission fee, they were a terrible, terrible festival or contest, and they should never be trusted, and that has totally changed, and... They all do now. I mean, it's not a lot. Uh, I think the Laughing School Comedy Festival, it's like 30 bucks or something. Um, I don't think Steve is a comedian, but if you are a comedian, I mean, the, you really, you gotta look at who's gonna be there and what you can get out of it. You know, like at the Laughing School Festival, there was all these, you know, the guy who, Books the Tonight Show's there. The guy who books uh, New Faces at Montreal is there. There's agents and managers. It's, you know, there's a lot of good connections to make there. Uh, and it's also a festival you can put on your resume. And not that it's a game changer, but it's something. People recognize it. And then there's a lot of festivals that are just uh, not as good. And I don't know everything about this Portland Comedy Festival. And I do work Harvey's Comedy Club, where I think the entire festival is taking place. So, I don't know. Maybe it's not in my best interest to say this, but I wouldn't go to this one. It looks pretty shitty. <laughs> I don't really see getting too much out of it. Um I guess you could work Harvey's Comedy Club, but there's other ways to do that. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying it's not going to ruin your life if you do it, but I just, you know, if it's a matter of taking off work and uh, paying the submission fee and all that, it doesn't, uh, I'm not going to say too much, but I will say that I think the main person in charge of it, uh he used to sell to L.A. open micers. He would sell a contacts list of like two or three hundred email addresses of like club bookers and booking agents and comedy clubs. And the only reason I know about this is for some reason I was on the list as a comedy club booker. Uh, I, I don't know. We know how, I think because at one point in time, he, he asked me to open for him this particular comic. And I said, I couldn't do it, but you know, he had my email address, uh, from that time, I guess. And somehow I just got put on this list and I think he would like sell it to LA open micers for like 200 bucks. Like, Hey, here's all these contacts. I don't know the price. That's what someone told me. I don't know if that firsthand, but I used to get a ton of like quite terrible email submissions. Like, Hey, I'm a LA comic. I'm available to this is I'm available to host through headline, which is, you know, you can already tell. No one, no one who headline says I'm available to host or headline. And then they would, uh, you know, they'd be like, I'm a regular at the comedy store or whatever, which means they went to the open mic and they would have a video that was, um, terrible. 
And also the email would not specifically be to any particular booker. It was a very general, like, I am available for bookings. Uh, so that was actually an interesting peek into like, okay, here's some things I need to avoid when I send out work emails. Um, but yeah. So just based on what I know about the guy, um, who, cause I don't think Harvey's specifically is running this comedy festival and it's also not a Portland person. That's weird too, right? Like it would be weird if I lived in Olympia and I started the Boise Comedy Festival. That would seem a little weird to me. But uh it is available and it's open and submission fees are $125 to the Boise Comedy Festival with Gabriel Rutledge. And just Venmo me the money and you're guaranteed a spot. And you will get seen by me and I know other people that could help you. I'm not saying I will introduce you, but I could help. It's 125 bucks. See what happens. There's no shows. There will be no performances. Um, but you can say that, uh, you were accepted to the Boise Comedy Festival with Gabriel Rutledge. So put that on the resume and watch the bookings roll in. <laughs> There's too many bottom feeders in everything, but in comedy too, just taking advantage of, open mic people, you know, take this class on how to do this, buy my book on how to do comedy, take my workshop, it's, don't take a workshop, I mean, you can buy a book, you can buy my book, it's not a how-to, but I don't know, you just gotta do it, man, you just, you just gotta start doing comedy if you wanna do comedy. It's uh, hard, but not complicated. No, no one's ever been like, I was really struggling with my comedy career, and then I paid $200 for a weekend workshop with a guy who wasn't that successful at comedy. <laughs> and it changed everything. Now I know what I'm doing. I don't believe, I barely believe in any comedy advice. Even the great Gary Goldman on Twitter right now is giving out uh, comedy writing tips. And, <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a mean thing to say, but he's fucking done, man. He's supposed to do 365 of them, and uh, he's done. He's down to, like, go on a walk and uh, be nice to people. And, you know, it. There, I don't think there's 365 things to say about comedy. Um, but he definitely has some good tips. You should check that out. Uh, but also for him, for him, I don't have the same style as Gary Goldman. I'm much more, well, I'm just different. We all, you know what I mean? I'm not, he's much wordier and headier and smarter than I am. I'm a little more crotch level. And, uh, so yeah. If I want to be more like Gary Goldman, I could follow his writing tips. But you got to pick and choose is my point. You can't go to every festival. You can't take every comedian's advice. Um, but anyway, thanks for the feedback, everybody. I have one more question that I'm going to save for next episode because uh, i got to gather my thoughts. And I already spouted off about patriotism and made people mad probably. Or not. I don't care. Who cares? Not enough people listen that it matters. Only 10,000 people listen to this podcast. That's not true. It's way less than that. Like 9,000. Uh, hey, leave me a review. That's your assignment for the week. If you haven't, leave me a review on iTunes. And, uh... Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. This podcast is free and it's worth it. Talk to you next week. Up with the sun, gone with the wind. She always said I was lazy. Leaving my home, leaving my friends. Running when things get too crazy. Out to the road. Out neath the stars 
Feeling the breeze Passing the cars Women have come Women have gone Everyone trying to cage me Some were so sweet I barely got free Others they only enraged me Sometimes at night I see their faces I feel the traces they've left on my soul Those are the memories that make me a wealthy soul Those are the memories that make me a wealthy soul